Remember the good old days. We probably remember something. Not sure if all of it was good, but if you look at it objectively, we probably add more good than what was actually there. When we choose to be truthful in leadership and worship, when we choose to give up power for grace and forgiveness, we stand not only tall, but true and just. Remember the good old days? Were they just? Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Welcome. How about we start by introducing ourselves? I mean, it's my first time to be here at Sabbath School U. And let's start over at the end over there. Hello, I am Anastasia Kananayako. Okay. Hello, Anastasia. Yeah, repeat that last name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, One sorry. more time. <laughs> right. Uh, that's Kananayako. Kananayako. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, my name is Rich, Rich Martin, and it's a pleasure to be here. All right. Hi, my name is Heather Lunsford, and I'm very excited to be here today. All right. And I'm Mark Siggy, your host today, again, for the first time. Um, Anastasia, do you mind reading um, our verse for today and uh, starting us with a prayer? Sure. I'm going to read Jeremiah 2.3. Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. And I will pray in Russian, so please bow your heads. Дорогой Господь, слава Тебе, Господь, за все, что Ты нам даровал на этот день. Господь, мы просим Тебя, чтобы в этот час Ты был здесь с нами, Господь, чтобы Ты нам дал размышления, Господь, чтобы мы могли понять Твое Слово, Господь. Благодарим Тебя за все, что Ты нам даровал на этот день. За все мы Тебя славим. Аминь. Аминь. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So today we're talking about the crisis within and without. Do you have an immediate um, thought of when you think of crisis, like whether it's your crisis or crisis that you are aware of? Anybody? Oh, yes. I think of a personal crisis that I totally frightened me. It was one year in college. I will not say which year, and I won't even say which class. <laughs> but I was fairly aware of the high potential that I wasn't going to pass this class. And coming from my family and even just based on my personal standards, that was a crisis. Mm -hmm. That was a crisis. Wow. All right. Yeah. As a mother, um, crisis often um, comes in the form of, you know, something that happens to my children. And at one point, my son was in the hospital for nine days. And to me, I felt this was the crisis of my life. Wow. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And I think faith was the only thing that got mm. me through that crisis. So. Good, good. Um, well, as a married woman of two years, um, I think that sometimes... Well, crisis already? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, you're not, you're not prepared for what the future holds for you, um, mm. what kind of finances you may hit, what kind of struggles. Um, and sometimes it can be hard and it can be difficult and that creates crisis for you and your, and your spouse. And the only thing you can rely on at that point is God. And... Mm. You know, be steadfast in your faith and trust that the Lord will provide and see you through. Definitely. You know, we'll, we'll go to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 8. And as you're, as you're going to that verse, crisis does not pick and choose. 
it happens to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the question, um, if somebody can actually read this text, uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 8, and the question is, what are the similarities that were happening during Jeremiah's time to what we have today? Sure, well, I'll read. Yes. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 8 says, The priests did not ask, Where's the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols. How's that? How's that? <laughs> is there a similarity, first of all, uh, with that verse and what's happening in our life today? Oh yes. Um, one of the themes that jumps out is jumps out at me is uh, the refusal of leaders to consult the Lord. Ooh. I mm. think that um, we're seeing that yeah. in various realms in society, mm -hmm. where leaders are propagating themselves as mm -hmm. almost superhero saviors, if I can say that. Um, but there's no consultation of the Lord. And unfortunately, this seems to happen um, outside of the church, without, and then also within, within. the crisis. Yeah. Ah. But Rich, a lot of people start their meetings, uh, start their discussions in prayer. They even have prayer gathering leading to some, you know, especially uh, major meetings or uh, topics that needed to be discussed. Or they even have prayer warriors, you know, in a separate room. But then you say even those may not be consulting God's leading? Well, yes, I do believe that sometimes formalities can give off a form of sincerity mm -hmm. and piety, oh. but really have no power. It's almost like structure with no substance. Mm -hmm. um, um, and I do see that often. And sometimes it can be very pretentious, mm -hmm. but also persuasive. So you see it and it's like, oh, man, they're seeking the Lord. Um, but that's one of the almost mysterious things about seeking the Lord is externally it can seem persuasive, but only he can truly detect the sincerity which comes from the inside. That's true. Mm -hmm. That is very true. Anybody else from that verse and how it's relevant today or if, it, if there's any similarities or none today? Well, there's also the groups. Um, there's some religious groups who do act, they say they act in the name of the Lord. And then there are these actions that are coming from the groups that you, uh, some of us feel, how in the world can this be of the Lord? I mean, I don't want to say specifically, but there are some religious groups that just say, you know, we did this in the name of the Lord, or we did this, or we did this thing, or we, you know, spoke this law in the name of the Lord. And that gets very, you know, here, there's like you were saying, you know, they say that term, but really what's behind it you're, mm. not, you're not quite sure. Or, or they say, you know, um, we've prayed about this. Yes. Um, we've had really some um, prayer and fasting about mm -hmm. this, and then they go ahead and do something that's hurtful. Mm -hmm. um, how do we determine whether that's actually of God or not? Because sometimes there are crises that come upon us in our life mm -hmm. because of the choices we make. Mm -hmm. And sometimes God helps us get back on track by sending somebody our way mm -hmm to kind of wake us up. Mm -hmm. But but how do you differentiate from that? Um, I mean, and Jeremiah was clear because, you know, he had the message from the Lord and his connection was there. But how, how, how does that apply to us today? Oh, I think we can, you know, see that we as, you know, well, we as human beings are, mm -hmm. are definitely are with fault. And so I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I apologize. I was going to answer, but I lost my train of It happens to us all. It yeah. does. <laughs> it does. If I may. Price. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, There's a saying that I once heard, and it goes like this. Not all who wash their hands well are fit to do surgery. Oh, 
right? Oh, okay, uh, and so that range, not all that who wash their hands well are fit to do surgery. Mm -hmm. So just because you can go through preliminary procedures akin to what a surgeon would do, doesn't mean that I can then draw a line from what you did before to what I'm expecting or hoping you can do afterwards. And this is kind of what I hear in Jeremiah chapter two and verse eight, where he says, those who deal with the law, those who deal with spiritual religious things did not know me. That's kind of the connection. So they knew how to wash their hands. They were familiar with kind of preliminary formalities, but when it came to the real crux of the matter, performing the surgery or knowing God, they didn't know me. Mm -hmm. And that's difficult to always discern. But the good thing is, and as we'll continue to unfold in Jeremiah, the Lord always sends people to clarify who he's with and who he's not with, who's with him and who's not with him. And how do you navigate to that? Because sometimes there are people who hold to strong beliefs sure. and they're convinced, they've convinced themselves that it is of God, mm -hmm. you know, but it is clearly wrong. And then they still hold on to that. I mean, how do you navigate in, in those types of situation? That's a great question. What do you guys think? I think faith has to lead you in a lot of situations that, you know, you have you know, read your, your Bible, you have learned what you've learned, and sure. I think faith guides some of those instances and those situations. And I'm at fault, I know that I don't have, you know, as strong a faith as I think mm -hmm. I, I should have in some situations, that when, what I believe is, is, yeah. the, is right, or, yeah. you know, and you need to, I think, have this open mind to understand others as well. Yeah. Because I think if we're closed to just believing, well, what I believe is is exactly right, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm the right way. I, you know, I think we box ourselves in, and if we're not open to others and to hear what you know each other has to say and the give and take, I think we're we're putting ourselves in a box, you know. And so I, I remember my dad would always say, um, the person who feels like they've reached the highest point sure. is the person that needs to be brought really all the way back down. Wow. You know? uh, in, in, there are tendencies for those kinds of stuff in our spiritual journey too, yes. you know? A devout people who really study the scripture, really want to give their life to God, start getting into their head, okay, this is the right thing to do, and then you start judging on others. Mm -hmm. I, I, now, I'm not saying that we should not live a lifestyle right. that would demonstrate to others sure. the right way to go. But once we cross over into starting to judge others, mm -hmm. you know, then there's crisis, right? Right. Both within for that individual and without. Now we'll go to Judges chapter two, verse ten. Okay. And as you're um, going to that text, the reason why Scripture continues to be relevant to us is because God knows the beginning to the end, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And Scripture is that map. It's that. GPS. Yeah, I like that. And I really like it because like at the GPS, every time you make the wrong turn, come on. It doesn't come at you say, mm, you know, you are really not listening to my instructions. You know, you Find need to come back. It simply with a calm voice says recalculating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can keep doing that 10 times over and over again, <laughs> right? Recalculating. <laughs> and it gives you the instruction again to get you right back yeah. on the path that you need to go because we know that end path Yes. or the end of that journey, and that is heaven. Mm -hmm. yes. And so the uh, Bible is that map. And so the question after somebody reads Judges 2.10 is that, is that verse still significant for us today? Anybody who hasn't read yet? I'll go ahead and read, oh, since yeah. I haven't read yet. Mm -hmm. Judges 2 verse 10. 
When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Ooh, Is this relevant? Yes. <laughs> right? That's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Quite relevant. Yeah. Quite also, relevant. Well, I think that um, it brings to the table what is going on now, um, mm -hmm. which is kind of a disconnection between generations. There used to be a close connection that the values, the standards, mm -hmm. the principles of a previous generation mm -hmm. almost, uh, you know, they were inherent in the next generation. But now mm -hmm. there's a kind of a more intentional, decided, mm -hmm. volitional distancing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you guys can keep that. I'm going my own way. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole idea of there's another generation that doesn't even know the Lord, I think it speaks to maybe a failure on the part of previous generations generation. to hand down mm -hmm. the principles and precepts of the Lord. But if the um, generation does not want to listen? Yeah. So it's mutually well, informing. No, please. Um, this is just coming from, I'm a new Adventist. I've been okay. converted for three years now since I've been converted. Right. And my perspective from, you know, in that context sure. is, I see that a lot of, um, of, I experienced a lot of the older generation Adventists, they get so caught up in being an Adventist mm -hmm. that wow. they forget that, you know, there's a new generation coming up and they might, if, if they grew up in it or whether they have been, well, mostly it's growing up in it because converted ones are more on fire. But um, if they've grown up in, in Adventism and, and observed what it's like and the older generation forgets to project that whole, Christ loving attitude, you sure. know, repentance, um, um, mm -hmm. uh, just love, uh, compassion. Yes. Um, and if that's not projected to the younger generation and all they see is this, um, the laws, you know, what not to do, mm. um, they are going to turn away from that. They're not going to accept that. And I believe like in Jeremiah, when we read how the older generation, you know, the younger generation did not know the Lord, I'm thinking like, whose fault is that really? Wow. Is that because they didn't want to accept or because the older generation didn't project that mm -hmm. in a, you know, Christ-loving way instead of like, because I would definitely be different if I was like, okay, this is the Sabbath and you cannot do this, 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 this and that. And I'll be like, well, what's in it for me sure. if mm -hmm. I can't mm -hmm. do what I want wow. to do? Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a powerful point because a lot of people focus on the actions. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that are supposed to be the results of demonstrating your love for God. Mm -hmm. So when you love somebody, your actions follow with that. You know, sure. you, can't, you can't do extra kindness, go out of your way for somebody that you really don't care. Yes. Right? I mean, it becomes work. Yes. It becomes a struggle. Mm -hmm. But when you love somebody, mm -hmm. whatever it takes, yes. you would do that. And in what God, I think... Um, through Jeremiah and, and all the prophets um, was to remind us where we needed to be. Sure. Right? And once we realize how far we've gone and come back to that path, sure. then we recalculate. Yeah. And then do the actions as a result Definitely. of that love that we've realized we've, we've received. Not, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, right. and many times we get into arguments, we get into debates, what to do on this day, what not to do on that day. Sure. Right. How to do, you know, I think the principle is, whose glory is it to? Yes. Right. You know, and, and that brings me to the question, how did a grab for power split, God, split God's people in 1 Kings 12, 26 to 31? Now, anywhere you have 
a group of people that forms an organization or becomes a collective group, mm -hmm. there has to be some kind of leadership. Yeah. Right. There has to be some kind of leader and follower mm -hmm. structure, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And you need that. I mean, right. God has even demonstrated how that works. Yes. I am your leader. Right. I love you. Right. This is what we do to live in harmony. But sometimes when we take for granted mm -hmm. the pattern or the structure that God has put in place for us, yes. something happens. Somebody read that text, 1 Kings 12, 26 to 31. Well, 26 to 31, 1 Kings 12, Jeroboam thought to himself, the kingdom will now likely revert to the house of David. If these people go up to other, offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. He said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. One he set up in Bethel and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin. The people went even as far as Dan to worship the one there. Jeroboam built shrines on high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. Hmm. You feel some competition happening? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what, what was going on? Well, he was definitely being deceitful. I mean, uh -huh. Trixie, you okay. know, like yeah. saying, oh, don't go leader. all the way to Jerusalem. You can do mm -hmm. that here. Sure. So kind of selfish and power hungry. He didn't want to die. That's so is that something that only happens back in the Bible times? Definitely not. Yeah? <laughs> I mean, what you see is a leader who is, um, I guess, welding the power of his own influence for selfish gain. Mm -hmm. And don't we see that in the news every oh, yeah. day? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so we see it on the news. Sure. We know it happens today. What do we do about it? Do we just like, oh, there it is again. It's right. happening. Mm -hmm. We're called to be, you know, in the middle of crisis. Yes. Mm -hmm. Stand up for God stand out, you know, to give peace, to give that love. What, what do we do? Because, you know, I can't even imagine what life is like without God in your life. Sure. Okay? Yeah. If, if I were just to sit there and watch all these news, look at all these, you know, news feeds, mm -hmm. it's depressing. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there are people who feel like, wow, this world is really falling apart, so I don't even care to do anything anymore in my life. Mm -hmm. How are we to come alongside these individuals who need us because we are created right. for the benefit of others. Mm -hmm. Sure. I think we're doing it right now. Okay. I mean, just by having this discussion, we're helping this, this situation. I think, you know, bringing it to the forefront and saying, you know, we do realize that there's an issue. And I know it may be simple, but we can pray. I mean, yeah. we can definitely pray. I mean, you can sit in your house and, and think to yourself, I'm one person what can I do? I mean, I see what's happening and I don't know what to do. And we think maybe it's a simple act to pray, but maybe not. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, you gather your family and you pray together for the good of the country, the good of your church, the good of whatever is, you know, needed at the time. And God is in that prayer. And I think we can't just down the fact that it's wow. just one or two of us praying. I couldn't agree more. You can almost use the same thing that Jeroboam did. He welded the power of his influence on those that he knew would easily follow what he said. Mm -hmm. And within our sphere, we have 
those who we influence as well. And I think it starts at the home base, depending mm -hmm. on your occupation, it can be your workplace. Mm -hmm. You can make um, sizable change right where you are by calling out the differences between what is being promoted um, outside and offering answers to the crisis that everyone observes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take much nowadays to realize, okay, there's something going on. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, um, if I can package it in the words of this old children's song, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Mm -hmm. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Now, it'd be great if all of us had wide access to cameras and could beam that throughout <laughs> the world, but we can tell our children, we mm -hmm. can continue to encourage our spouses, mm -hmm. um, even at the church basis to continue to say, hey, no matter what the crisis is on the outside or on the inside, we have the answer mm -hmm. and we know the right direction. Um, and that's more than doctrinal, I mean, just this principle of love that you mentioned, to continue to, you know, inject that into society, this mm -hmm. revolutionary radical love that mm -hmm. reflects the Christ that we serve. Mm -hmm. I think that starting off with those who we know are in our influence and not letting back is a starting point. Right. Yeah, I definitely think, um, you know, it takes to be in one accord as well. Like mm -hmm. Philippians 2, 1 through 3, I believe it calls us to be in one accord in Christ, yes, to be like-minded. And when you have all these things that are happening outside of you yeah. that you probably cannot control, you get with people who do have that influence, but mm -hmm. who are also like-minded. Because when you are like-minded and, and you're working in numbers, you are more likely to accomplish greater things wow. than just being influenced if, if you know, if I'm influencing you, sure. you and I can do great things. But if I'm influencing you and we're all in one accord, God is more likely to bless bless that. And we are more likely to reach more people with that as wow. long as we are mm -hmm. in one accord. Awesome. I'll push it a little bit, right? So we're in a context of a team and we're put in a team because we represent, I don't know, different thoughts or different ministries or different cultures, whatever, backgrounds and stuff. And so we're putting a team to make a decision mm -hmm. for the good of who we represent. So when you say one accord, that's assuming that everybody thinks that way already. Right. Mm -hmm. is, is, right? right. And, and when, you th when you say like we have to be like-minded, I mean, there's no need to have a team together to put everything, uh, to make a decision. Mm -hmm. What happens now if you're put in a context in a team where you start not of the same mm -hmm. end result or not of the same thoughts, mm -hmm. or but you're here to represent and come to a decision mm -hmm. that would benefit everybody. How do you go through that process? Because, you know, yeah. what we say is great, you know. Right. Many times where I see myself struggling is really when it becomes part of the action of how I deal with stuff. You know, sure. when I'm in a meeting, <laughs> everybody is emotionally invested. Definitely. To their passion, to their belief. You know, we were talking every, uh, earlier about somebody who continues to hold on their strong beliefs even if it's wrong. Yes. Mm -hmm. How do we work that out? Because that's really real. That's, that's what we almost go through on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Family context, friends mm -hmm. context. Mm -hmm group of friends, church, you know, I mean, it, it just gets bigger. But I think when you're able to at least find a way how it is worked out in a smaller context, I mean, if I'm struggling with that, yeah. how, how, how can we work through that so that at the end, we are like-minded and in one accord? That's hard because I think 
I mean, in any aspect, I think all of us have probably been through something like that, whether it's family, like you mentioned, or friends. You could have a conflict with your friend, and you know there's something happening, and you need to come to one agreement, or family as well. But if you never get to that one agreement, exactly. see, that's where the challenge comes in, where you stick with your own, right. you know, belief, with right. your own faith, and mm -hmm. um, and that's actually where crisis starts really right. getting right. really, really bad, is when. I'll stick to mine, you stick to yours, you know, right. we don't have to be friends. Yeah. Right. But that's not what we're called to. Right. We're called to be like-minded and in one accord. So how does that apply now? I think there's, well, there's a notion of agree to, to disagree notion. And I, I do think that when you have the Holy Spirit, you've prayed about things, you have a faith, that you can have that agree to disagree moment where you understand where everyone is coming from. I think there's an understanding factor yes. that people probably need to have. It's not that I'm better or my belief is, you know, better than yours or it's the right one or, you know, theirs isn't good, you know, they don't understand. I think it's more, you have a understanding of the whole, of all the pieces. So I can understand everybody's opinion and hopefully they understand mine, you know, and that's how I think people need to come to these situ situations as you, everybody's understanding one another more than against, you know, I, I'm, I have my belief and I'm going to hold on to it and, and the stubbornness maybe, you know, it's, it's not, do you understand what yes. I'm saying? Right. Um, I think that like-minded does not mean you have to think alike mm -hmm. oh, or have okay. the same sort of opinion. Right. Like-minded means like, for example, a church is the body of Christ. We all come together and we all understand that we're here in one accord. Mm -hmm. But being like-minded means understanding what is the mission of the church. Wow. Now, right. the way we go around fulfilling that mission, we're not going to be like-minded because you have all these different peoples mm -hmm. in one accord mm -hmm. and everybody has different gifts. Everybody has different talents. Everybody mm -hmm. has different skills. So you're going to take those skills which are like-minded in the mission and what yeah. they need to do, but you're gonna go out there and do the works, but it's not gonna be the same. Right. It, the way Heather and I, right. we're not gonna be like-minded if she's skilled in um, singing. You know, I'm not, okay. or cooking, <laughs> oh, there, you go. there you go. Like, I'm not, we're not gonna carry out, I'm gonna go along right. and sing with her, but her, she might, you right. know, reach more people. Mm -hmm. sure. Or with her cooking, she right. might reach more people. Is exactly. I just have to support her That's right. in, in the, there's like a maturity factor mm -hmm. too, or just a, a selfless factor. Right. Yes. You know, not being selfish to one's own, you know, being willing to say, I recognize your talents. Right. I recognize your ability. I recognize what you can do. Right. And if your talent is going to reach more, if your talent is going to, you know, be the greater good, mm -hmm. let me support that. Right. You know, sure. I think that's where. I think one of the challenges that um, quickly arises, if I may, is beyond the contributions that each of us can make, sometimes there are ideological differences. And so there's points of differentiation as to what that mission really is. Mm -hmm. And then if there's no, if there's confusion there, then that streams down to um, the methods that we take to get there. Um, I think of when Jesus raised the question to the apostles, you know, who do people say that I am? Mm -hmm. And there was, you know, various answers, but yet and still, he often uh, gave kind of this adage, you know, okay, he who has an ear, let him hear. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where we may fall sometimes, like, all right, God will give discernment where needed. Absolutely. And I think if we focus on Jesus and not of ourselves, 
we really end up at the same place. Mm -hmm. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Mark Siege.